1: to the Central City Citizen, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. PoppyChulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Wednesday, July 7, 2021, and I'm your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's The Flash. Please welcome my co-host, Dimitri singer
0: What's happening, in Central City?
1: And Jeffrey Aruz. Hey, Central City. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 7, Episode 16, which was titled POW and aired July 6th, 2021. Here's the official synopsis. John Diggle arrives in Central City with a weapon to help Barry stop the Godspeed War. Meanwhile, Allegra and Ultraviolet's new bond is put to the ultimate test, while Joe and Kristen Kramer are hunted by a former colleague of hers. Okay, let's get into it. Uh, the beginning of the episode starts somewhat similarly to last time. At home, Barry's watching a news report about how bad the Godspeed War is getting, and he prepares to head back out to fight them when his daughter Nora appears to him again, uh, warning him that he has to do something before it's too late. Unsurprisingly, it turns out this is once again a dream, but unlike last time, when Nora told Barry everything would be fine, this time she seems to be in trouble, even disappearing from view. Jeff, how'd you like reintroducing Nora for the second episode in a row? And do you think they're going to the uh, just a dream well a bit too often?
2: Uh, okay. Here's the thing. When I was watching the episode, I was like, oh, please don't tell me it's one of those where we're, like, you know, seeing a piece of the episode that's going to happen, like, 45 minutes later, and it's going to say 18 hours before. I was much more worried about that. When it was a dream again, I was like, okay, it's another dream. Clearly, this, is, this has to be setting up the fact that we know that the character is coming back for the 150th episode, which is next week. So, I was like, okay, this is different. Uh, you know, initially it's all hunky-dory. This week, there seems to be a sort of dire situation with the family. Um, I was fine with it. I, st- I still have no idea what it means. Um, well, something happens at the end of the episode, but even <laughs> with what happens at the end of the episode, I still have no idea what it means. So uh, I- I- I'm curious as to why Barry all of a sudden is having like prophetic dreams about um, Nora.
1: Yeah, I wonder if they, they did it, you know, saying it up twice like that so that, you know, the end of the episode, uh, you know, when we do see her in the flesh as it were. Uh, it's designed to take us by surprise. But yeah, to me, it just felt like, well, it's more of the same. Um, you, know, you know, pulling the same stunt, you know, two episodes in a row at the beginning of the episode. Um, yeah, it just struck me as, as you know, uh, a little cheap. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, I can't imagine anyone was fooled by it. But having yeah. her appear and doing something different, I guess, kind of made sense in I terms think, of, you know, ratcheting up the pressure on Barry.
2: I think the problem is, is because of COVID, ideally, I would th- I would guess, maybe, you know, if this was, like, a regular season, they might have spread those appearances out. You know, maybe four episodes ago, we would have had the hunky-dory moment. And then, you know, four episodes later, we would have had this dire situation. And then maybe another couple episodes later, we would have had the surprise at the end. Maybe COVID sort of, like, truncated that and, like, forced them to have to do it. You know, because she had to go through the quarantine in Canada, it, you know, if she wasn't up there already. And, uh, you know, so they, they basically condensed it into just having it in these couple episodes, maybe.
1: Yes, yeah, speaking of quarantining, uh, Iris remains at home sick, ahem, uh, as Barry speeds into Star Labs, having been beaten on the way by more Godspeeds. Uh, it turns out the attacks are getting worse. Cecile tells the team she hasn't heard from Joe, and it turns out that's because of the Godspeeds no one can call in or out of Central City conveniently this means kramer and joe are off on their own against adam uh we found out they did survive last week's cliffhanger ending what a surprise our tears for joe west were completely misplaced but they're on their own and being hunted by the mysterious adam dimitri we finally get to meet adam who's been alluded to by kramer repeatedly over the course of the season uh without getting to what happens later what were your first impressions of the uh the i wouldn't call a big bad but a medium-sized bad
0: he, he- it was weird. I was expecting, I guess, more of like a Rambo-y type character and he looks almost slightly deranged. It seems like the the actors trying to portray him as like a little bit unhinged, almost like he has a taste for killing. Um it's not until the end of the episode that we see he has a moral code. And honestly, with such a big mystery, I did feel like the payoff was kind of low. It's like you know we've we've been introduced to this character in the context of a mystery why did this guy who was supposedly brothers with this lady suddenly turn on his you know his comrades and he's just like eh money and you know he even goes so far as to say he thought she died you know in the in the incident and and he was fine with that and you know I was expecting a better reason like oh you know I don't know they kidnapped my daughter and I had no choice or something or or you know he resents the army for you know sending him on a mission S- something something more uh more substantial um like uh you know Either he's got a grudge against the army now because of something that happened to him, or he's got a grudge against her, or, you know, it, it, it seemed very hollow that, you know, she describes their relationship as so close, sibling-like, and then he's just like, eh, well, the check was fat.
1: Yeah, a lot of contract killers uh, in the series uh, this season. Speaking of which, Esperanza is recovering from her surgery and is preparing (laughs) to leave Central City to chase down those involved with Black Hole. She asks Allegra to come with her, but Allegra wants to wait until the Godspeed war is over because she feels she's needed with Team Flash. I wouldn't ordinarily mention the scene because seriously, who cares? But it does give us a chance to check in with Spanglish Corner. Jeff, what did you think of the scene? And more importantly, how was the Spanish?
2: May I say, Professor? So far, your um, your segues are fantastic, oh, spectacular. Uh, okay, is this the only time we're talking about Esperanza? Because I have many opinions about. No, me. I think
1: I will. I think uh, I was going to ask again about what happens to Esperanza. Uh, let me look here in the file of who gives a thumb. Uh, probably, I, yeah, we'll mention it later. Because I don't want to pull a
2: Dimitri and start talking about stuff that I shouldn't be
1: talking about. No, let's just talk about uh, their opening scene.
2: Okay. Oh, God. Um, okay, first of all, it was very nice to actually see his pranza finally. Um, okay, so... The Spanish this week. I don't know. Maybe I must have gotten a contact high. To, I think it was two podcasts ago when I complimented uh, Legron the Spanish. It was atrocious this week. I will also give an F to the individual that typed out the subtitles because at one point I didn't even remember, like write down the line because it was so trivial. But I noticed something, and so uh, Esperanza said something like, "You know, oh something, something, something prima." Prima is the Spanish word for cousin. So she's talking to Allegra. And in the actual typed out subtitle, it said, whatever, 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 comma, in, you know, capital P, prima. And I'm I like... I saw that too. He, and that's... I was like, that's not her fucking name. That just means cousin. Like, they should have said either cousin or Allegra. I was like, what are y'all doing up there you know you've had all this extra time because it's apparently taking these episodes so damn long to film because of covid and the restrictions you couldn't even get that right so that was um troubling (laughs) as opposed to like last week when they used a word that mean just you know a couple notches above screwed um, so the, sp- the Spanish was eh, from Allegra this week. Esperanza is fine, but she- her Spanish has been fine all along. I-, I just don't understand why they keep on making her speak in Spanish. Clearly that might not happen <laughs> anymore, but it was, uh, it was a choice. I will save my other opinions for later on because I have many opinions as to what the hell happened in this storyline at the end. So uh, stay tuned
1: um back at star labs uh caitlin confronts Barry. i guess not back at star labs because technically that still happened at star labs but caitlin confronts barry about what's upsetting him and he opens up about the dreams he's been having and how it's worrying him as he's trying to sort things out john diggle shows up which would with, with what might be a way to end the godspeed war Yay. it's an, an entropy trap uh it essentially freezes whatever's caught in its area something that cisco made for them so even though he's not on the show uh anymore he's still helping them out Yay. uh are you chiming in there? No, it that was that's just awesome. a yay,
2: because, um, oh, you know,
1: okay. continuity, it's nice. Uh, they want to use the trap of Godspeed so they can question it, though Diggle isn't sure that's a good idea, and he starts having headaches. Uh, let's talk about the return of John Diggle. David Ramsey's been making the rounds of the Arrowverse this season. Dimitri, what did you think of his reintroduction to the team without getting into what happens later? I feel I have to stress that last point.
0: <laughs> so about what happens later um nah i it was it was great to see him um it uh purely based on him walking in i i felt the um the uh i think he part of what they were trying to do with his character was lend credibility to the whole like this this speedster war is a is a you know, legit war. And so when they capture Godspeed, he's like, he's a soldier. He'll he'll talk when he's ready and not a moment sooner. And like we don't know that these people are trained soldiers. We the team goes so far as to say they don't even know if, if uh, they're drones or or people. Um so I thought that was a little like the same way, you know, they just the, the The writers have a habit of just saying things and hoping we're on board. like this the forces are actually Barry and Iris's children, kind of sort of not really. Just go with it. This is a speedster civil war we've We've shown you nothing to convince you that these are two like legit armies, but just go with it. Um and I think that's part of what they were trying to do with John Diggle's character like one soldier recognizes another but there's nothing on the Godspeed side to to suggest that they're legit soldiers it could have been like you know the Avengers Civil War where it's you know two teams of superheroes sort of fighting each other um so that was a little contrived but it was great to see Diggle again um Based on what happens later, hopefully we'll see more of him. And, you know, Diggle is always,
1: always cool. Yeah, it is nice to see uh, Diggle again. And we will talk about, uh, you know, his, uh, his revelations uh, a little later. Uh, so Diggle and the Flash team up to catch one of the Godspeeds in that entropy trap. So it's a Chekhov's entropy trap in that respect. Uh, the Godspeed won't talk initially, but when he does, he addresses the Flash as Barry Allen. So, you know, no point in keeping the mask on. And we find out the basis of the speedster war. One set of Godspeeds wants to steal Barry's speed to give their master, August Hart, and then they'll die. The other set, including this one, doesn't really want to die, but the two sides are evenly balanced, so this Godspeed wants Barry to tip the scale by helping them out. But that would mean killing August Hart, so Barry refuses. The trapped Godspeed then escapes and destroys the trap. Uh, Jeff, what did you think about the basis for the Godspeed War? You know, that little bit of information dump is like, oh, well, I guess that's the whole second half of the season summarized in a couple of lines.
2: Yeah, I mean, it makes sense why it's just a four-episode arc. Uh, I mean, it, it's pretty simple, straightforward, straight to the point. And I will say this, I liked it, because it's different than what we've seen in the past. This, um, this arc has been pretty refreshing it's not like the typical I mean there is elements of the typical you know I am a speedster that wants to steal you know um, the flash of speed but it's 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 got a little wrinkle in it and uh, it, it makes it for a really interesting storyline I won't go into what happens later on but just everything in this episode made this storyline really intriguing to me uh so i i liked the info dump i mean they did it sort of the best way that they possibly could
1: uh barry snaps at chester after chester says he can't fix the broken entropy trap and diggle has a sidebar with barry uh barry tells diggle about nora he's worried about uh you know nora's future and he wants to run to the future check on nora but he's afraid of the consequences because you know flashpoint except barry flashpoint was when you ran into the past and changed things thank you it's not when you ran into the future Thank that was you. like such a bullshit thing to say. Just setting up the the total unnecessary angstiness to uh, so that he could have this discussion with Diggle. Thank you. Uh, D- Diggle tells him the most important job is being a father. So fuck the city. And there's no distance he wouldn't go for his own family. This conversation is overheard by Allegra, who I did notice lurking in the background of the shot. For a moment, I just thought, <laughs> did someone tell her that she wasn't supposed to be in the scene? But no, she was there to hear it. And as this episode was F9, all about family it inspires her to go off to help Esperanza. She's too late. Esperanza dies in her arms and dies in a very serious way. Uh, and with her literal dying breath, she blames Allegra. Classy way to go, at Esperanza. Now, obviously, family's been a big theme in The Flash this season. We didn't like it the first half of the season when it was the the hideousness that was the, the Forces saga. Dimitri, what did you think about Diggle's argument? What happened to Esperanza? And what do you think will be the consequences of... Uh, of this on Allegra having her beloved cousin die in her arms. Now there was a tiny bit of Spanish in the scene, so Jeff, feel free to weigh in when Dimitri's done.
2: Oh I will trust.
0: First of all, you both are wrong. And I, I can't believe I'm gonna I'm gonna defend this because every other time I wholeheartedly agree it's it's very um contrived. But Barry has a daughter in the future who he has some amount of affection for. We don't but he does and so he has some skin in the game in making sure he doesn't fuck up her timeline you know she you know based on something he does in the future that could be the difference between you know her you know beating all the supervillains in her time or her getting killed sometime in the future we already saw that flashpoint led to Cisco's brother dying and Iris you know never meeting her mother post, uh, post her mother walking out on them. So I do feel it's warranted for him to not travel to the future willy nilly. And I just also think that, you know, the, uh, time travel is one of those things where, um, I forget who said it. Someone said like, you really have to be careful about introducing time travel into your story because it can, like, blow up the whole story. And I think that's absolutely right. I, I do feel that putting that constraint on Barry Allen prevents him from just being like, how does this turn out? Cool. Okay, I'll, I'll relax now. Can I go back and fix that? Cool. Like, it, it just puts a very necessary limitation on his power. Um, that being said, I, I thought it was a little, a little strange, it, I, I get that fathers put their kids first, but that didn't seem, like, the fact that you're a dad, so everything is okay, seemed a, seemed an odd argument, we have legit seen people die, because of Barry going back in time, um, Would, you know, would Diggle kill an innocent person for his daughter? I I feel like if, if, like, you know, a villain kidnapped his daughter and was like, you have to, you know, kill the president or something, like, he would find a way to not do that. Diggle doesn't strike me as the sort of person to, like, hurt innocent people. So it, it seemed like a strange point of view for, like, I mean, there there are morally ambiguous superheroes, and in DC Comics, superheroes have taken controversial steps many, many times. But as far as the CW Arrowverse goes, these superheroes are very, very, very moral, high-groundy people. So it just seemed a little strange.
2: Okay, a little rebuttal to Dimitri, but before I get into that, just a uh, shout-out to David Ramsey. Uh, It was great to see him again. I'm still shocked that because of A, COVID, B, some of the COVID delays with the series, and C, because of, you know, not only COVID delays because of COVID, but like um, the shooting schedule and that sort of thing, that thus far his Arrowverse appearances, CWverse, whatever the fuck you want to call it, have actually been in order. Because this clearly happened after his trip to Batwoman. So let's see if next week on Superman and Lois, he he mentions his journey and that sort of thing. So I, I like that it's actually in order. I mean, I, I still I can't believe it in this sort of COVID world that they actually were able to schedule it properly. Um, okay, so now to the rebuttal to Dimitri. So it's not that... What the professor said, you know, isn't that Barry shouldn't be concerned about his daughter. And first of all, I don't even know if I believe you've ever even seen a Fast and the Furious film, professor. Um, But we can talk about that later. Uh, But I think the problem is, is that he was using the excuse of Flashpoint. And Flashpoint is something where he went into the past, and every time he would go into the past, it would affect his future. He's gone into the future... How many times? And he's never created a flashpoint. I'm using that in air quotes. It's only when he went into the past he would, you know, he would create the ripple effects into the future. So his excuse of like, "Oh, I can't go to the future because the flashpoint was so stupid," you know, the continuity, please, woo woo. Like it, it just didn't make any sense. And uh, I understand that he had to have this conversation with Diggle, because Diggle is like, you know, he was doing the whole, (laughs) sort of the professor was making fun of family and that sort of thing. You know, if it was my daughter, I would go blah, blah, blah. But talk about the most stupidest, uncomfortable conversation that Barry Allen can have with Diggle about his child and about him worrying about his child. I mean, props to the writers for sort of like haphazardly um, ham-handedly, or whatever the fuck, uh, you know, putting in, like, oh, yeah, I remember what I did to your daughter, but I'm, like, why are you even fucking bringing it up to begin with? That would be, like, if I was Barry Allen, the last thing I would be talking to Diggle about is, you know, daughters and shit, like, it, oh, god, it, it was, for me, it was a little cringe, because Barry disappeared his daughter for a moment until, you know, Everything was fixed thanks to the monitor and that sort of thing. But yeah, so the conversation was just a tiny little bit cringe. But I understand outside perspective, it had to be Diggle. It was just, I'm like, why are you giving him this conversation? As far as Esperanza and Allegra, because they were included in this question because the professor just wants to get through with this. My whole thing about the storyline is like, what is the storyline supposed to be? Like, Okay, so Black Hole ended, you know, at the end of the Mirror Mistress, whatever the fuck her name is, Mirror Monarch storyline. So it makes sense that they can't really do a post-Black Hole saga with Esperanza until that storyline ended, and that did bleed into the season because of COVID. We understand this. But why didn't they do this earlier in the season? Because... I don't know what the storyline means. Like, is this supposed to be a storyline that's going to test Allegra? I feel like I'm the only one that's, like, half invested in Allegra. I think the rest of you kind of are very apathetic towards her. So it's like, I don't understand why they're doing this now. Like, it's like, she has already, like, acclimated into the group. She sees the team as her family. She's become a productive member of Team Flash. Is this supposed to, like, have her question her loyalties to team flash is this supposed to be like a slippery slope like you know backwards and like she's now going to question if she's a hero and and is she gonna no longer want to do heroic stuff like this is the type of storyline that you set up if a character is leaving i would think you know because she like i could see her at the end of the season because only two episodes left Saying, you know, I need to step back from the team because, you know, I I couldn't be there for my cousin and, like, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, I just don't know where this storyline is going. And then you, the writers, you write it so that she is cured. She's cured, she's fine, and whatever. And then she dies. And she dies in, like, the most this bitch is dead way possible. She disintegrates. What the fuck? And speaking of what the fuck, Professor, I know that you don't like you some Allegra, and so you're you're not even gonna like her even more because they're using that whole thing where they're inventing powers for her as she goes along. When can she just sort of materialize from a poof of smoke? Is she fucking Endora from Bewitched? Like, what the hell? Okay, I can
1: explain that one. Okay. She has the, uh, the. Uh, remember uh, Wells had those sort of exploding smoke bombs, teleporting smoke bombs? That was uh, one of those.
2: Okay, because I was like, is she in Dora from Bewitched now? She could just poof. Okay, well, okay, that explains that. But like, okay, I just, I didn't understand this storyline. I don't comprehend it. I don't know what they're doing. They're clearly trying to give Allegra something to do and i just don't know what this is this Ugh, i can't even talk because i just don't know where we go from here like what does what did it all mean the bitch is dead and she disappeared into ash
1: yeah, I, I and, and again, I get the idea that, you know, Allegra has become part of the team. You want to develop her character. This does seem dangerously close to fridging uh, of Esperanza because if the whole purpose of reintroducing this character and having her go through all this uh, is just to, you know, give Allegra the uh, the motivation that she needs to level up or whatever, God forbid that we should get the heartlight again, um, then, uh, you know, I do wonder, you know, and, and, and like Esperanza has been like, you know, a, a terrible person. Uh, every time we've met her uh you know she sold out her cousin you know she uh she's gotten a second lease on life but she's gonna immediately go back to uh to killing the people and and i just yeah and and part of the reason why you know i'm so down on the storyline isn't you know necessarily hatred of of allegra um although you know you know i can't abide her spanish accent um or Spanish, speaking Spanish, I should say, but uh, it's just that we got so much going on. We got the shortened season. We are rushing towards the end of it. And we got four goddamn subplots going on in this episode, uh, and we are taking time away from maybe dealing with other subplots in a you know uh, in 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 a more thorough way uh, because we got to find out what's happening to to Esperanza and Allegra. And you know now we'll just have you know weepy Esperanza for the last two episodes of the season. Yay! I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, Barry decides to go to the future to check on Nora. Uh, So Cecile and Diggle go off to hunt down August Hart. when I say hunt down, I don't mean hunt down like that. Uh, Diggle has another headache attack, which Cecile experiences as well because her powers have been growing. It turns out Argus is keeping tabs on her, which is a little creepy. Yes. Um, Ever since the last episode of Arrow, we've been expecting Diggle to become a Green Lantern. Now, the only real evidence for that was that green glow when he opened the mystery box uh, in the last episode. Over on Batwoman, we got a reference to his headaches. But in this episode, it's pretty front and center spartan's costume uh, and jeff or or dimitri feel free to correct me on this one but spartan's costume has dark green highlights which i don't remember being the case in arrow uh he also has a bright green light shining his helmet light as if they're trying to pound us over the heads with something uh and cecile sensed something that she called infinite in his head uh when he had the headache so jeff what's up with big
2: well clearly he's a green lantern um the helmet changed if i'm remembering correctly, I thought it was like a T-type of thing. Uh, Unless they changed towards the end of Arrow, Arrow feels like it was a thousand years ago, so I don't remember exactly. I'm not the Arrow Whisperer. Um, But the the helmet did look a little different, so maybe they did do a little upgrade. They... God, that damn phrase, they leveled it up. Uh, maybe they did do that. Um, clearly, he's going to be a Green Lantern. Uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, they're beating us over the head with this. Um, and, and the whole, this whole journey for him, is, I guess, is him, you know, because he didn't accept it, maybe. But we haven't really gotten that kind of exposition-y stuff. Just, you know, oh, man, you know, I got whatever this, that, or the other. They're being hella vague about this. And I don't know what the payoff is, because they haven't announced that David Ramsey will be recurring throughout the Arrowverse next season. So I I don't know where they're going with this. They also haven't announced that he's getting his own series. So once again, I don't know where they're going with this. Um, I do enjoy Diggle. I enjoy David Ramsey as Diggle. Um, so it's great that they're, you know, keeping his character, uh, alive. To be quite honest, out of Arrow, I think the only ones that I would have been interested that were still alive at the end of that series that I would have been interested in keeping up with are Diggle and Lila, so we're kind of getting that through Diggle and, and Mr. Terrific. Uh, so maybe he'll pop up at some point. Um, but yeah, I I, I don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, I I don't know if we'll get more information about this. On Superman and Lois. I don't really know if it's going to make sense there, just because they've kind of kept Superman and Lois as its own beast. Uh, kind of almost, you know, either right outside the, Air- the Arrowverse, right on the fringes, uh, you know, because we haven't seen really anything on that series that ties into not even the mothership, which was... Um, Supergirl. So, uh, yeah, I guess we're going to have to really pay attention to everything Diggle says the next time we see him. But I do hope we see him again. I hope he suits up. Uh, My line of thinking is, is probably like if they ever do a major crossover again, which I don't think will happen next season, so maybe the season after that, that might be when we finally get the payoff to this.
1: Uh, Dimitri, what are your thoughts? Is it the obvious that he's a Green Lantern? Could it be something else? And, and if it is he's a Green Lantern, why are they you know, bothering to revisit this if there's no plans for him to be a Green Lantern in a show? Or will he just sort of be out there as a, a freelance helper? Um, you know, HBO Max is doing a Green Lantern series, so that would presumably uh, you know, conflict with, uh, with anything we do with the Green Lantern here. What are your thoughts on uh, you know, why they keep revisiting this uh, with Diggle? He's Mephisto.
0: Uh... I think Green Lantern, Green Lantern uh, Green Lantern, Green Lantern, Green Lantern Green Lantern, Green Lantern, Green Lantern Green Green Black Lightning replacement Um, So I do think they are going to um, Make a Green Lantern show Um, And uh, I, I, I do feel that maybe they are kind of pitching it to be, um, it, it's an unusual take on Green Lantern, right? Because uh, we've seen Green Lantern as like you know just the ordinary guy, um, and Diggle has a family, as we were not subtly reminded uh, this episode, um, and that's sort of uh, been the theme of everything surrounding Diggle. It's it's not been subtle at all. Um, Part of me wondered whether it was just fan service And they were just like Oh, show him opening a green box And the fans will go wild And then we'll never do anything I think that's possible I mean, they did, you know Sort of totally nix the painkiller pilot But I do think um It's sort of akin to Barry Allen randomly popping up On the Arrow show um, Diggle is going to be Green Lantern And I do think the Green Lantern that he is, is going to have sort of a Black Lightning dynamic where he has to balance his family's needs with the uh, the responsibilities of, of being Green Lantern. And it'll be interesting because, uh, you know, I wonder how Lila's going to play into that being, you know, head of Argus. Um, how are they going to uh, raise their daughter in these very hostile environments? And... Uh, it, it does seem like maybe they're um, they're sort of um, going to going to explore a, a similar dynamic to to what Black Lightning explored. Um, I I remember when I when I talked about uh, the lack of superheroes who are you know a little older who are parents who are married what have you. Um, Jeff mentioned that you know I think that's what the Superman and Lois show is trying to do, and I do definitely see that. But I've watched a couple episodes of Superman and Lois, and it is a very, very different feel to Black Lightning. And I wonder if sort of the um, the uh, feel of Black Lightning, where it's more urban it's more you know contemporary society um sort of you know city living in america um examining race relations in america i i i wonder if that's what they're going to try and tackle with this green lantern show um that they've lost now that they ended black lightning
1: uh yeah actually that would be a, an interesting take on that and uh you know somewhat uh, analogous slotting him in in that way um i i don't i don't know that i i believe that there is a series coming i i I question whether the cw could keep a secret like that it would be nice to think that you know perhaps over in the superman lois you know diggle's going to you know full go full green lantern and and help save the day uh on uh, superman lois and then you know uh that would spin on and then they could announce and he's coming back for a show yay uh i just don't see them being able to keep a secret like that. Uh, But uh, no, I agree that, you know, Diggle would be an interesting choice for a Green Lantern, because as you say, traditionally, you know, when you look at our superheroes, it's like, single people uh you know it was nice having you know uh Black Lightning although in Black Lightning's case you know he and Lim were split up so you know uh there were some you know issues around that Superman Lois I agree has been you know really interesting of someone trying to balance that and I think you know having someone like John Diggle I think especially someone like John who you know they sort of you know reinforced in this episode you know the idea of John being you know, a soldier and a good soldier, uh, you know, that would be an interesting take on someone who was given the responsibility of, of joining the Green Lantern Corps. And perhaps, you know, his headaches and stuff like that are that he's being called to join this organization uh, and he's refusing it uh, because he wants to stay with his family. Uh, and so maybe, you know, instead of him becoming a Green Lantern, maybe his arc is going to be him rejecting this because he wants to stay with his family uh, i am curious to see what they do with it but yeah like you i thought it was just fan service at the end of that last episode of arrow uh glowing green box and we can all speculate on that but there have been things that uh, dave ramsey has said which which make me think that you know he does have you know more of a cosmic future uh and uh, and you know there are other shoes to drop anyway barry tries to run to the future but he's blocked by a group of godspeeds, I almost said god spells, uh, who are apparently feeding off the speed force. Barry's knocked out of the speed force where he encounters Dion, the manifestation of the still force. Turns out, Iris has been more than just a little under the weather. She's phasing in and out of time itself, and Dion has been keeping her safe. So we get a tragically brief scene with Candace Patton and an explanation for why she's been absent. Mitri, what did you think about the reintroduction of Dion in this way and the explanation for what's been happening to Iris? We mentioned last episode that it seemed weird and suspicious and we speculated, was it a production thing? Was it a COVID quince as to, you know, why the episode was so heavy on what was happening, you know, to Iris and Barry, but we never saw Iris. We never even heard her voice. Um, So we got a little bit of a a payoff explanation for that, but it it does seem that, you know, Iris is, is phasing away. Away, but I have to assume she'll be back for episode 150.
0: yeah um so I follow Candace Patton on social media and she has posted <gasps> a few pictures uh on vacation I'm I'm just ignoring that Jeff and uh, she has posted a few things about focusing on on her mental health and her mental well-being and I wonder if she needed a mental health break from the show um and As we know, she's been the subject of of a lot of hate. And I wonder if, you know, given everything that's gone on in the country with the racial reckoning that we've had, if that maybe, you know, increased it. Um, That's not the direction we wanted to go as a nation, but there are shitty people out there. If so, Candace Patton, you know, you have our full support here on this podcast. Take your time. Uh, We hope you feel better soon. And fuck the haters. But I was starting to think that maybe this is less a COVID quince and more like Candace Patton needed a break and that's why they're doing this. I died a little when I saw one of the forces again and they mentioned another one of the forces. You could have I don't know, you could have stuck her on a speed treadmill, anything but these forces. Oh my god, this is the worst storyline. Um, But uh I do think um I do think we have fully exhausted the um the Iris is is trapped storyline. I, I I wish they would come up with something creative uh for, you know, her absence, you know. Her chasing down a lead, something. Season three, Iris is in danger. Last season, Iris is stuck in the mirror. Now, Iris is stuck in the early 90s. I mean, it it's so overdone. Let, let Iris breathe for one damn second. I... Uh, the only potential good thing I was thinking about all of this is, I think... Iris' absence leaves Allegra strongly lacking support With her cousin's incredibly overdone Curse you with my last breath death And I wonder if that will spur Allegra turning into a villain And I think that would be an interesting direction Um, Part of me doesn't want that Because while... I think Allegra on her own hasn't been too engaging thus far. I do think her and Chester's chemistry is kind of cute. But part of me thinks, you know, it it's interesting to see um we've seen a few characters sort of go dark. We've seen, you know, Mirror Iris or Siri. We've seen Evil Cecile, we've seen Evil Barry. Maybe maybe evil Allegra is more interesting. Um well, we, we've seen Killer Frost, but... Um, so, um, I wonder if that's the direction they're going. It does seem like Allegra is set up for a perfect storm. Camilla is gone. Iris is missing. Her cousin who keeps trying to kill her just died, and she feels very guilty about not saving the cousin who tried to kill her multiple times. So I wonder what this means for Allegra... Candace Patton, we hope you uh, have a good break, and we hope you get better. Um, But the writing around this killed me a little bit.
2: Well, they aren't filming anymore, so she's on vacation. It's hiatus time. But um, to, okay, first of all, I was shocked to see Candace Patton in the episode, period. So the fact that she showed up like 40 minutes into the episode, I was like, oh, well, that's nice. Um, I just wanted to add a little uh, sort of like... uh, counterpoint to what Demetri was saying, because Demetri did protest the final two episodes of The Still Force, so he still has a lot of resentment in it. Um, I do co-sign The Still Force storyline was horrible, but I do recall the professor and I saying that we liked the characters. Like, we thought the actors were fine doing what they were doing, but just the storyline was at- atrocious. So I will say I was actually really excited to see Dion. And they used him in a way that made sense. So, you know, the fact that the forces are out there, they can bring them in whenever it's necessary. It's important to the storyline. And it felt organic. Uh, It just, it worked for me for whatever reason. I do wonder if Iris is actually pregnant. And this is why she's sort of phasing in and out of time and that sort of thing. Because maybe she is actually pregnant Either that or this is going to tie into the mysterious dreams and that sort of thing uh, that Barry has been having. Uh, but yeah, I, it was weird what they were saying. A lot of it was like very science you know, stuff that I was like, okay, I'll just go with the flow with what you're saying.
1: Yeah, I I, I did feel like, you know, and whether it's the the rushing of it or anything like that, I did feel like we needed a little better explanation than your wife is is phasing in and out of time. Like, seriously, dude, what the hell? Like, why is she phasing in and out of time? When did this start? How do we stop it? Nope, I'll just let you guys bounce and uh, and and go back to 2022 and 2021 and and fight some godspeeds now uh so i did feel it was yeah a little rushed i'm glad that we did get some explanation i wonder if you're right i wonder if this might be a a pregnancy symptom uh, i did actually you know briefly wonder whether candace Patton in real life might be pregnant and they were like trying to shoot around her for something like that uh but i'm sure if that were the case dimitri would know all about it from you know following her on social media stalking her yes I said follow uh, uh, Diggle and Cecile are out looking for August Hart and dig takes down a Godspeed shout out to Ray Palmer tech uh, only to be taken down by one of his headaches. He's saved by a timely assist from frost and the three of them encounter a strange dude by a dumpster. Now in my personal experience, Meetings beside a dumpster rarely end well, but this guy seems really intent on staying by the building where August Hart will live in the future. Uh, Unfortunately, the guy's lost his memory, so they take him back to Star Labs, where Caitlin manages to restore enough of his memory to confirm this is August Hart, or at least his first name is August, which would seem like a hell of a coincidence. Jeff, it seems like we've met our big bad, but with only two episodes left in the season, and this guy not seeming particularly big or particularly bad, what do you think that means he's lost his memory and he hardly seems like a threat? Yes.
2: So, alright, we've talked to death of how we're done with the talk no jitsu. I feel like we're finally getting set up a villain that they aren't going to have to talk no jitsu. I think he's been Taknojutsu'd already, or something. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this, because if they end up dealing with Different iterations of him, like one that sort of like deepened to the villaindom, and then this one who maybe was sent back in time because he no longer wanted to be a villain. Maybe I don't know what's going on. To be quite honest, when they were gonna do the whole dark matter injection and they will give him back his memories for a little bit and this or the other, when he sort of deepened his voice and he was like August, and he was sounding like you know the voice that was coming through the Godspeed drone, I was like, oh no, you know, maybe he sent himself back in time to infiltrate Team Flash, and then once he gets his memories back, he's going to be full on evil. And he wasn't. So they subverted my expectations. And I I was kind of here for it, uh, you know. I love that uh, that we're getting a little bit more uh, representation on TV with this character. Uh, I I think he's interesting because he is such a non-threat, and clearly Godspeed is a threat. So I have no idea what they're going to do with this. We have a, a two-part season finale, as they called it in the commercial. And I'm excited. Uh, It's been a moment since I've really been excited for a Flash storyline. And they've uh, sucked me into this one. It it seems hella interesting.
1: There's a a controversial storyline in DC Comics called Identity Crisis, which came out probably more than a decade ago, uh, in which it turns out that, you know, heroes were getting tired. Some of the heroes were getting tired of uh, the bad guys always escaping from Arkham or Blackgate or wherever uh, and and going back their evil ways. So, you know, a group of them just got together and started wiping their minds. So once they captured the bad guys, uh, it's sort of the equivalent of Medicure, given, you know, without permission. Uh, but they would just, you know blank out their minds they had no idea who they were they had ever had powers or anything like that uh, and you know it led to you know uh, certain ethical considerations as to you know uh, doing something like this uh, to someone without permission I wonder if there's they're setting something like this up with uh, with August Lint that maybe his mind was wiped to prevent him from becoming August Lint uh, uh, August Hart uh, maybe that he was uh, you know his memory wiped so that he wouldn't become Godspeed and maybe what they're doing is accidentally recreating Godspeed uh, by giving him his memories back so i, I do wonder okay. whether you know there might be some sort of larger thing like that but i kind of feel like with only two episodes left in the season we might be setting up for a cliffhanger that you know they're creating godspeed for next season um i i, I don't have a lot of confidence in it. like maybe they'll resolve the uh uh the uh the speedsters uh, civil war but uh, i i've got a feeling that you know they're they're to introduce him this late in the season, um, you know, if this is uh, August Hart, then I think they're going to end up creating him in some way.
2: That's interesting. Um, it, it kind of sets up uh, a, a mirror, a parallel to the, what they did earlier in the season, as you mentioned, with the, the meta-cure. Uh, yeah, I wonder if they would tap into that well so soon.
1: And I wonder if we'll find out that it's Cecile who's doing memory wiping. She is powering up. Uh, yeah. Outside the city, Joe and Kramer are still being tracked by Adam, but they managed to take him down when Joe gets a metacuff onto him. I guess that clearly exploded and burned out car wasn't completely destroyed after all because there was still a functioning anti-meta device in it. Um, Adam says he's immortal. He says he's died 17 times, and after the army let him down, he decided to work for himself. Uh, and he tells them that he gives half the money that he gets from his work uh, uh, he gives it back to the reservation, kind of a Robin Hood angle. Uh, he also insists that Kramer died in the attack. So there's a lot to unpack with Adam Dimitri. What did you take away from that info dump?
0: Like I said earlier, it was it was disappointing. I I liked the Robin Hood angle. I liked the, that he gave um, half the money to the to the reservation. Um, it. I feel like even this storyline could have been more interestingly done, Um, because I think, you know, he says that and then Kramer's just like doing something good doesn't erase something bad but there is you know, if his resentment was like, you know I was forced into the army because you know, I couldn't get any other job um, because, you know people didn't want to hire someone from the reservation or something, like that would give him a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder. Like we'd we'd have a more sympathetic villain. Um, this the writing on this was so meh. Like so, uh, uh money and I, I I give some of it to the reservation. Um, we don't even you know get get a discussion of you know what what is is needed on the reservation. Um, you know, sort of what. If he's so blasé about like killing his brothers in arms, uh, you know, what what is his moral compass? You know, maybe a few flashback scenes of these two on the reservation, um, a, a flashback scene of the you know while he's in the army, the government you know cutting an aid program to the reservation, something to give like him a little bit more motivation. I, I would have loved to you know hear more about you know like this this character's motivations and uh you know sort of we don't get a lot of indigenous representation on TV and i, I think they they missed a little bit of an opportunity here i, I think it's maybe because they were pressed for time but i feel like this could have been more interestingly done cuz we had an we had an interesting mystery here why did this guy kill, you know, his fellow soldiers. They were supposedly all very close. Kramer thought they were family and Kramer thought he was family. Why did he not think of these people as family? Um I I feel like it's, you know, it's it's a bit anticlimactic
2: Can I just also add, I do enjoy when we all predict stuff, but I'm really glad that Dimitri's prediction did not come true that he was also Godspeed. Uh, just... Didn't I, I don't know. you
1: predict that he was also Godspeed, Jeff? Well,
2: no, he had convinced me. In the beginning, I didn't feel it, but then he convinced me, and then when this episode aired, I was like, actually, thank God, he isn't. Um, uh,
1: are you comfortable under
2: that bus there, Dimitri? Oh, sorry. No, it's just, I'm saying it because the, the no, storylines... No, no, it... Okay, go ahead, Dimitri.
0: Definitely, by the time... Uh... By the time they, like, very early on to this episode, when they were talking about the trap and stuff, I was like,
2: oh, he's not Godspeed. Like,
0: this is clearly two separate storylines. Um,
2: yeah, and I, I, was, am hoping... I was glad with
0: that. Oh, Wait, sorry,
2: go ahead. What? No, you continue. I'll, I'll finish up after.
0: I was going to say, I am hoping that you guys are right in that we will only wrap up one of these storylines. Because I do think, you know... It's it's just weird timing to sort of have a four-episode storyline. Like, we barely give a shit. Um, so I, I think either, you know, devote the majority of screen time for the next two episodes to one of these villains. Leave the other villain to be the big bad for next season. Even if it's only a few episodes next season, give us something to look forward to. You just confirmed that pretty much all of the rest of your core stars are staying on give us you know someone for them to fight um you introduced the the twins already so you know that's not you're not doing what you did you know a couple seasons ago where nora is the big cliffhanger reveal for the season finale so in that case you know give us someone for the season to come um this guy could be interesting uh You know, just don't gloss over them too quickly.
2: Well, speak for yourself, Dimitri. I'm invested in the Godspeed War. Uh, Okay, so... Okay, so, yeah. So, I'm glad that they are separate storylines. I will say this. If we are talking about stuff not being invested, I'm not fully invested in this whole Kristen Kramer thing. At all. Like, and I I do want to say this, because I want to put this out there. I do love that Joe West is getting some love and attention in the storyline because this is really his storyline. So I love that Papa Joe is getting his own storyline. He's getting the chance to do his thing. I feel like Jesse L. Martin, ever since the whole back situation, which I think was like maybe two years ago, he's really had a lighter workload. And so this is him, you know, maybe he's finally comfortable, you know, going out and doing a whole bunch of stuff. Like this is him going out and doing a whole bunch of stuff. So I'm glad that he has his own storyline. I'm just not fully invested in it because of Kramer. It's like every episode she has to get talked down from doing something that clearly, you know, marks her as not a good cop. Like, you know, Papa Joe's like, I know you're a good cop. You can't do this. I'm like, I just can't have him on the sidelines. You know, you you know, I I, I just can't. Um, it's, it's a little bit too much for me. Um, but, uh, The thing at the end, the twist, I was very confused by. Because in the beginning, he was like, well, you can't be Kristen Kramer because she's dead. But then afterwards, he talks to her like she's Kristen Kramer. So I was like, so is she dead? Is she alive? Does she have meta powers? I'm very confused. Okay, you're not going to kill him. Well, I guess that's fine. But yeah, once again, this is another storyline where I don't know where they're going with this. And there's two episodes left, and I kind of feel like... If they are going to wrap this one up, it has to be wrapped up at the start of the next episode. This is this can't be something that they drag into the finale, because I feel like the second part of the next two episodes will have to be, you know, wrapping up, maybe, the Godspeed war arc thing.
1: I mean, assuming they do wrap it up, I mean, we, we don't know that for sure. Uh, but yeah, just, uh, you know, to uh, to follow up on what Dimitri was saying, it is, you know, it's kind of a shame that, you know, it, it, again, it is, it's so rushed, right? You get all this as an info dump instead of, you know, flashbacks were being told instead of shown things. And uh, and, and also to uh, echo what Dimitri was saying, you know, uh, lack of Indigenous representation, that's certainly something we're trying to deal with up here in Canada, you know, uh, coming to terms with, you know, our, our, our shameful uh, treatment of indigenous peoples. Um, and it really it just feels like they've given it so little time because, you know, they're taken up with, you know, Diggle's headaches and Esperanza dissolving into uh, into glowing red uh, dust. And uh, so they, they really don't have time to do much more than, you know, I hate to use the, the T word, but it's tokenism. You know, you're just sort of putting that in there and, and having this character who, you know, and hey, I get 50 percent back to the res- uh, reservation. And uh, but I, I just don't think we have time to really deal with that. Um, uh, in any effective way, but we kind of have to because I'm assuming by the end of the uh, the season that Joe will be back in his rightful place as uh, as police chief, um, which means Kramer has to go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, unless they've got something you know really surprising uh, in this, it does feel like just you know sort of you know uh, tokenism uh, to uh, to you know sort of touch on the the indigenous side of things um, and and just really do nothing at all with it. Anyway, as he's trying to deal with everything he's found out in this episode, Barry is visited by his daughter, Nora. But this time, it's not a dream. It's excess in the flesh. And she's not alone. She has her brother, Bart, with her. So the episode ends with Barry finding out he has another child in the future. And we get our first glimpse of Bart Allen, uh, also known as Impulse. Now, we've known he was coming for some time. We've seen the pictures. We've seen the stories. We've seen the backstage photos. But I'll open this up to both of you. What did you think of actually meeting Bart Allen?
2: Yay! He's fun and exciting. It's that that sense of wonder that characters have at times. You know, kind of like what we had a few episodes ago. Well, we kind of always have it. I mean, uh, uh, Chester had sort of like eyes of wonder seeing Diggle in this episode. But it's like the magic of The Flash, you know, from like season one, where everyone is really excited about being a hero. We got that with Bart. Um, The promotional image that was released was a little campy. So I, I was a little bit worried. I do enjoy me some Jordan Fisher, so I knew he was going to bring it, and he brought it. The one thing that I was a little worried about—not worried, but uh, confused about—is okay. So Barry remembers excess. You know, excess uh, disappeared uh, because of you know the timeline and whatever happened in her timeline in her story kind of disappeared because of changes in the past, which is Barry's present so clearly Excess is alive and well and she seems to be uh, personality wise the Excess uh, that we met originally my problem with this continuity wise was she jumps back into the past and she's like oh hey dad remember me and this that or the other it, it wasn't like they were meeting for the first time so that was just a little confusing to me because this would technically be Bar- Bart's sorry, this would technically be Barry Allen's first time meeting excess again. So maybe she had heard stories about the original excess or something. It, it just that seemed a little odd to me. There was a little bit of a familiarity when um, I don't know if there should be that. But th- yeah, that was the only thing that I was like, okay, that's a little weird. Demetrius,
1: sure, what are your thoughts on Bart?
0: It was a very heartwarming introduction. Um, I have a few friends who, who are uh, new parents, and um, you know, the ultimate thing to like irritate them is to call them pops, which means I do it all the time. And his whole thing is like, "Hey, pops, do you like when I call you pops? You like it in the future, but I, I forget when that happened." It was heartwarming. It's a reminder that you know this is a a family. Um, and family, I think, is at the heart of The Flash. I think they're doing it wrong right now, but family is at the heart of this show. Um, I-, I thought, you know, despite all the shade I give Nora, you know, she brought a heartwarming energy. He brought a heartwarming energy. The only thing was it was a little jarring because it's like sh- her appearances thus far have been kind of ominous. And then she shows up, and she's like, "Hey, yeah, everything's cool." And it's like, "Well, then, why's Barry been dreaming? Were those just dreams? It it seemed like we were supposed to take them seriously. Like, what what's going on?"
2: Can I also add that are they supposed to be twins? Like, are they actually the tornado twins? Just because I believe there's like a 10-year age difference between the actors. Not that Jessica Parker Kennedy looks old or anything. She looks very youthful. I believe she's 32, 33. She's early 30s. But is she supposed to be playing 16 again?
0: I My was guess is, yeah.
1: oh, I Sorry, was I was just going to say, I think it's a younger brother situation, but I'm not sure. Okay.
0: I was kind of wondering about that. Because... She was doing
1: the young girl speak again, which, um, you know.
2: She I guess it's her thing. definitely was.
0: Um, my my thing about that is, like, is this an indication that, to some degree, Barry's fears were, quote-unquote, warranted? Has he, in fact, changed the future? Because in all the flashbacks that we see of Nora, she appears to be an only child. We don't see a brother. Um,
2: well, no, remember, I think because of what happened when she disintegrated, her entire story kind of disappears. So this is a new excess who, you know, never had the problems with Iris because, remember, Barry never disappeared in Flashpoint. So she never had the problems with Iris. Iris never su- suppressed her, her meta powers. They never had the whole whole hellish uh, mother-daughter relationship in the future. That, Nora disappeared. So because of all the changes in, in his present it rippled into the future. So this is a completely different Nora.
0: Okay. I mean, looks pretty much the same, sounds pretty much the same, but, uh, but sure. No, I I can rock with it. Um, and I do think the like tension with Iris was one of the most exhausting storylines of, of Nora's presence in, in the Nora season. So, I you know, I, I think, uh, I think that's a welcome change. I'm excited to see where they go with this Um I do wish they would Embrace the fact that They're meeting out of time a little bit More and that these are two people Who are very close in age Meeting I think they've Defaulted to basically Barry and Iris Acting like they're in their Mid 40s Just in contrast with their kids Whereas like Uh I think uh, I think you know Marvel had a, had a decent stab at this, where um, Tony meets his dad, and obviously his dad doesn't know he's his dad. But you know they meet as colleagues because you know they, they're the same age. Um, and some other shows have done this kind of well, where it's uh, you know you don't age up just because your your child you know visited you from the future. You're you know, you're, you're still you You haven't had years of fatherhood To transform into a total Like Stereotypical parent-esque mindset And I wish they would do that Handle that more naturally Than um the sort of Barry being like the Weight of the world parent Like it takes a while To get to that point It takes a while to get used To parenthood um I'm seeing that with friends now that like you know they're transitioning from people without little people to people with little people and they just sort of thrust Barry and Iris into this parental dynamic without uh you know sort of uh letting them be who who they are naturally
2: That's a good point. I hope that this time around uh, unlike what they did with Nora originally, where they did force Barry and Iris to be parents, and like they, I don't know if I, age up is probably is the right term, but you know they did have to put them in the very sort of strict parental role when Nora originally showed up. And let's be real, they were kind of in that parental role with the forces, which made that storyline very strange. But I hope this time around, since they're getting another chance to see, you know, their daughter again, uh, this iteration of her, and now their son, I hope they actually get the chance to have fun with them. Like, maybe be mentors, but don't be sort of like overbearing parents uh, like they tried to make them uh, the uh, original time that we saw
1: uh, Nora. Yeah, I agree. I would like it to have that lighthearted touch, and I think that Spark certainly has that. I was worried when they released those you know, promotional images of them. I thought, oh my god, that looks ghastly uh but the costume didn't look nearly as bad you know in person and uh, and i really liked you know uh, how it was played uh that energy i did sort of question I, I realized they want to do this for the 150th episode and they want to fit it in for the end of the season but in this episode uh esperanza vaporized <laughs> um barry's had his ass handed to him repeatedly by the godspeeds they found out there's a civil war going on between the godspeeds uh diggle's incapacitated by crippling headaches uh, and, oh yeah, Iris is phasing in at a time. And then to end the episode with, ha-ha, lighthearted, the kids are here, uh, really struck me as tonally odd. Uh, and I don't see how they can pivot to having I, I can't see how this can be you know lighthearted for the next episode in any way even though you'd think that it's a wonderful opportunity when you got these uh these these two crazy kids from the future showing up in the present if if they weren't in the middle of a rapidly expanding and accelerating uh you know godspeed war uh and and all the other shit that i just mentioned um then you know we could have some fun with that but it, it, it does seem tonally uh, a little weird for me anyway Uh, to end the episode in that way but you know i they made the decision they wanted to do it for episode 150 so um i guess that's so we kind of had to do with the the shortened production schedule but before we go on to the mvp section was there anything from the episode anyone wanted to mention oh i just thought of something and i I know we should stop doing this because i love danny nicolette uh but the scene where she was walking beside diggle she barely came up to his chest. She I is, know. I think, I think they've gotten used to shooting her and Joe in such a way, whether it's forced perspective or she can stand on an apple cart or something like that. So we really don't see it that often. But in that one scene where she's walking along beside Diggle, oh, my goodness. She just seemed Tiny. I, know. I mean, he's he's also a big dude. Like. He's a big dude, and she's a, a naturally tiny person. But you know, Jesse L. Martin's a fairly big dude too, and, and I think they found ways to shoot her next to him where you don't always see, you know, the the height disparity. Uh, and you know, some of it, you know, she's often wearing, you know, uh, heels uh, as well. But yeah, it just it did strike the in that uh, that uh, uh, that one scene. But again. This is, I'm not, this is not a short joke or anything like that. Yeah. Nicolette, we love you. Feel free to come on the podcast anytime you have an open invitation. It, uh, we'll lower the microphone for you.
2: It was just ridiculously <laughs> obvious. Oh, that's funny. It was just very, yeah. It was clearly obvious. I was like, oh my god. like She's, she's tiny. She's adorable. But, uh, yeah. They did not do a good job with whatever they were trying to do there.
1: Uh, Okay, so it's time to choose an MVP. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Jeff, who is your MVP et pourquoi?
2: Oh, gosh, I'm excited. Um, I am actually going to give it to David Ramsey, because I thoroughly enjoyed Diggle in this episode. Uh, You know, sort of, there was that awkward conversation about daughters with Barry, you know, because he did make his daughter disappear. Many, many moons ago. But outside of sort of like the cringe of that, I really enjoyed how they used him in this episode. I know, Professor, we've sort of been saying that it was a jam-packed episode. It was a jam-packed episode. It had an A, B, C, D, E, F, uh, you know, all the way to Z storyline in this episode But uh, they were able to really uh, balance him as a character throughout the episode. He had some really great moments with the team. They teamed him up with different people. I don't know if he had ever been in scenes with Cecile before. So seeing him with her worked for me. Um, Yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed David Ramsey in this episode. I, I thought it was great to see the character again. They used him a lot more than they did on Batwoman although they they did use him in an important way over there but it was it was it, this really felt like catching up with Diggle and that was nice so I'll
1: give him uh, the MVP Dimitri who is your MVP
0: I'm going to give it to Papa Joe I think you know when we look at the early seasons Joe was very hands on you know he was a, a cop he he handled criminals like um And I think, you know, because of the surgery, as we mentioned earlier, he's been in a very sort of uh, sedentary place, more sort of people come to him for advice. Um, But it's, you know, it's an important distinction that Joe didn't retire. He, He quit in protest. And he still, you know, wants to see justice done. So seeing him sort of like Kramer's going and he's like, this is a suicide mission. But I'm also... Not gonna let you go in by yourself Seeing hero Papa Joe Was heartwarming again We're glad to see that Jesse L. Martin Is recovering so well We're glad to see a little bit more of Papa Joe I feel like You know, ethically Barry should have had the conversation He had with Diggle With Papa Joe instead But, you know I get it, COVID quince And green lightning Green lightning, green lightning Uh, wow Green Lantern, Green Lantern, Green Lantern I miss Black Lightning, can you tell? Um, But I I really enjoyed Seeing You know, I've talked a lot about hints of Old school Flash In this season, and this was a nice hint Of old school, you know, hero Papa Joe, who's balancing Both being a cop and a dad And a member of Team Flash And, and that was nice to see Even though the, the main the storyline that he's a part of wasn't as much of a payoff as I hoped. Seeing him, you know, uh, handling things was, was cool.
1: Uh, my MVP is Cecile. Uh, you know, I just love the way that Daniel Nicolette has taken this character, who was you know, really a side character uh, and is really integrated into the team, even when it's not a matter of, you know, she's just there so they can conveniently use her powers in some way. In this episode, you know, you know, Iris wasn't around to do the investigating. So Cecile stepped up and did that. You know, she went out with with Diggle to and Frost to to find the the missing bad guy and did that. And and yeah, I think she's you know, she's she's really coming to her own. She's you a vital member of the team, which is, you know, something that would have been a surprise a few years ago. But I love the fact that, you know, even when she's, you know, because, you know, you could make the argument, oh, she's just there because, you know, she. Joe's wife, or anything like that. But even when Joe's not around, for COVID reasons or whatever, you know, Cecile is stepping up. She has become a, a vitally important member of the team, uh, and I really like that they've uh, they found a way to to write for her uh, and do that. And I like the fact that you know she's leveling up; that she's been noticed by Argus. Although I'd be a little susp- a little concerned about that if I were you, uh Cecile, because the only people who know your powers have gone up are the people sitting in that room, which means someone in that room has been talking to Argus. So might want to, uh, you know, watch them a little more Cisco. carefully.
0: Someone who used to be in the room left to join Argus.
1: So he's he's thinking on them. Shocking, mm-hmm. shocking. They, Cisco, they how good you. Uh, so how would you rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 10 lightning bolts? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than 10, you may archive the episode in the Flash Museum. Dimitri, how Tell would me, you rate this me episode? Can we take
0: a moment first? You guys give me so much shade. For my love of Candace Patton, you say I'm stalking her on social media. Yeah, paintings. You make lots of jokes about how much I love Candace Patton. And the professor is equally thirsty about Danny Nicolette. Can we just address well, the two-foot-tall elephant about... in the room? He owns the it. He says professor loves likes... Danny Nicolette. He How many it, times
1: have I said no one likes Daniela Nicolelet more than I do? Yeah, I am mean, I, open I'm about just that. Saying,
0: some of the shade could be distributed well,
1: to our have, northern
2: neighbor. He doesn't as have, have through it all paintings. coming to me. He doesn't have paintings of her.
1: I'm not. I'm not the one it who was talking about looking at pictures of her on vacation. I purchased
0: fan art of the flesh. I have fan art of the whole cast and fan art of barry and iris although that picture actually didn't make it to seattle yes all i'm saying is for a certain we don't reason. know that the professor doesn't have pictures of danny nicolette i wouldn't put him past him he talks about her all the blood clot time i'm just saying some jokes could go his way by the way this episode's an eight
1: jeff how would you rate the episode
2: i'm giving it a 9.25 i enjoyed it uh, i'm really digging this godspeed arc um, even though I, I, I didn't fully agree with the direction that they're going with the Kramer Creek storyline, I, I like that they're using Papa Joe, so I, I have to somewhat like the storyline because of Papa Joe, Esperanza disappearing, Esperanza disappearing, um, and Diggle was really good. Uh, I was on the edge of my seat for the majority of this episode. I am thoroughly digging this Godspeed war, uh, using that term in air
1: quote? Uh, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to come in at a 7.5. um Even though, you know, plot-wise that we've talked about, you know, all of those things, what got me, and, and it was something that for uh, the good first half of the episode, uh, I just could not get into it. It felt like a, I almost said a sitcom, it felt like a soap opera to me. It was shot like a soap opera. The writing was clumsy. The the pauses for dramatic effect were clumsy. You know when when Diggle walked into the room and you know you know sort of paused for effect or you know to use the uh, the Friends line smell the fart. Um, it just felt really really clumsy. It started to pick up about halfway through, but yeah, I just found the first half of it was uh, was was really slow and tedious. And and also you know for this the the, the points I've, I've said earlier that I just think they're trying to do too much, too many storylines. Uh, and when you try to do too much. Uh, you end up doing nothing well. So for me, a 7.5. So join us next time for a brand new installment of The Central City Citizen. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us.
2: Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts
1: and Google Play. Just search for The Central City Citizen and subscribe. Thanks, it's for my co-host. Please wish the listeners goodnight starting with Dimitri.
0: Good night, Central City.
1: And Jeff. Good night, Central City. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of The Central City Citizen every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Good night.